On a bright sandy beach, the sun shines warmly on the same spiky-haired boy, who opens his sleepy eyes and sits up. He yawns, starting to lay back down again, when suddenly, a girl's face. Whoa, what the fuck are you doing here? Sorry, you lazy bum. I knew that I'd find you snoozing down here. It is nap time. It's like two in the afternoon or something. Ah! Are you still dreaming? What? Dreaming? I know there was like... I, I was on like a stained glass kind of a... Like a circle. Could have been like maybe a clock. And I picked some options. I know I'm the best. Yeah, sure. It's, yeah, you know it. Just ask my friends from Final Fantasy X. I've told you before, I don't remember. You don't remember, Titus? The game is just like a million hours long and probably lodged in your memory forever. Nothing. Jesus. Kyrie. Hmm. Well, I'm happy here. Happy? We're on a uh, deserted... Actually, this is a pretty nice place, if I'm remembering it correctly. But you know, I wouldn't mind going to see it. I feel like you're being kind of duplicitous here would you want to stay or leave so what are we waiting for <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and begin the podcast <laughs> did i do good uh <laughs> welcome to no clip i'm chad rutherman and i'm andy kinnick and today as if that wonderful opening didn't clue you in, we're going to be talking about the narrative of Kingdom Hearts up until Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, how did I do at remembering that scene that I haven't seen in three years? You were so close. I, I know, I had to have been... <laughs> I was trying to take the prompting and kind of... Basically, the point that I'm trying to get across here is I don't have a great memory for the Kingdom Hearts series, and have in fact only played two games in it uh, up until now, so we're going to try and cover that and make sure that I'm prepared for what awaits me in Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, I will say I have played the first like four hours of Kingdom Hearts 3. Looks bad. It looks real bad for my ability to comprehend what's going on. Uh, yeah, and... I'm sure you're not alone in that at all, as I'm sure there are lots of people in the exact same boat as you who don't even really know that the other games even exist and are going to be completely lost as to what's happening. Yeah, I personally know of at least one person who was shocked to discover that Kingdom Hearts has had games released since Kingdom Hearts 2. Yep. And, and I confirmed did not know about... Uh, chain of memories is that the is that the one that came out between that's the gba one okay yeah, yeah. oh i literally have a, a timeline <laughs> in front of me and i forgot yeah and they throw you in, in the, at the deep end mm -hmm. in kingdom hearts 3 like they do not even try to set things up they're just like you know this or you don't here we go <laughs> yeah no, this is definitely like this is probably content that's going to be re Kingdom Hearts re colon covered in the Kingdom Hearts 3 episode that's going to be coming out in when this comes out, like a week and a half, two weeks, something like that. Uh, but they do have this like kind of helpful uh, 
list of like videos that you can watch. So that's basically the knowledge base that I'm going to be building from. Yeah. And speaking from my own experiences, I haven't actually played Recoded. That's the only blind spot I have. And I watched the video summary slideshow thing that they included on uh, the 2.8 collection mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. And I don't remember it. Like those kinds of uh, expository, explain what happened summaries are not really that helpful. Okay. So, and I agree. I mean, I kind of, I feel like part of me gets those to some extent. Like they are helpful. Oh, you know, it's better to have it than not. But I'm just saying like, if you read that before you start, you're probably going to forget at least 75% of it by the time it's relevant. (laughs) Character names are really rough for me. Like, earlier today, I was struggling to remember Riku's name, and it's like, (laughs) he's, like, kind of one of the main dudes. He is. Um, So let's let's start. I don't know how we necessarily, we can kind of go with the flow on this. Uh Uh-huh. We'll just open the dialogue. Uh Uh-huh. You want me to start off by, like, giving some summaries of stuff, or do you want to just ask me questions? I was thinking something like, we'll go game by game. Okay. And uh, I will describe the things that I know, Mm -hmm. and then you can fill me in on what uh, is wrong, and I will commentate as I find necessary. Yeah, and as long... I mean, in case it wasn't obvious, Kingdom Hearts 1 is my favorite game, and I've played all of the games in the series, with the exception of Recoded, as I said. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to attempt to explain uh, all of the convoluted plot points to Chad right now. The nuances. Yes. They really, ma- they really sell it. Actually, one bit of background information that I don't even know. I know that you've played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 multiple times, mm-hmm. but have you played the other games, any of them, more than once? Yeah. Okay. I think all of them. <laughs> uh, all of them that I've played, I've played at least twice. Alright, so I'm in for, you're going to be putting on a clinic today. Uh, I guess. All right. So, Kingdom Hearts 1, released in 2002. Uh, I'm not looking at a plot summary, uh, uh-huh. though you're going to be amazed to find that out. I remember the island scene, like what we just did. Uh-huh. They race around, they leave the island. Well, they, they do, they try and leave the island, but then like a, it's like a black portal opens up and just kind of grabs them, all of them. Okay, and then pulls them out into the the wild black yonder. Uh-huh. Uh, Sora wakes up in Traverse Town. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's where my memory gets a little fuzzy. Uh, they do a bunch of stuff, and then he fights a man size, or a man in a boat that's the size of a planet. And I think Maleficent's in there at some point, and then you beat her, and she's like a faker. And then you find um, uh, Ansem... But Ansem is Riku, and then you beat him up, and then at the end of it, you fight Ansem Boat, and then Ansem Man, and uh, then the credits roll. (laughs) Did I miss anything? (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's the broad strokes, I guess, with a comedic twist. Yeah. Um, uh, Important plot points, I guess. Uh, the, The dark portal at the beginning doesn't actually grab Kyrie. She, I guess, is, like, becoming, like, falling to the darkness or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. when Sora enters, like, the secret spot, right? And he finds her there. She's all, like, pale. 
Yeah, she's kind of Blair like, Witch in it. Yeah, in she's Blair Witch in it in the cave, and she's like, Sora. And then the door <laughs> opens, and it blows her into Sora, and from that point on to towards the end of the game, her heart is in Sora's body the whole time. Okay, so I have like a kind of an idea of the concepts like that govern the Kingdom Hearts universe mm-hmm. is that people have like a body like their self mm-hmm. and a heart and they're like separate entities for most people. Yes. And so Sora in the beginning of Kingdom Hearts three, this is a spoiler for one minute into <laughs> in Kingdom Hearts three, is like I, I've always known I've had two hearts inside. That's not Kyrie anymore, right? Nope. Okay, that's good. But it does mean that Sora has, like, a crazy... Yeah, so in... Retroactively here, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, in Kingdom Hearts 1, Sora would have had three hearts inside of him. Mm. That's a lot of hearts. It is a lot of hearts. Uh, I don't think... For His my... heart grew three sizes that <laughs> game. <laughs> How Sora stole a lot of internal organs. Uh... <laughs> So, I for like the overall plot of the series, so like Kingdom Hearts One is your favorite game, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of that comes down to sort of like there's like nuance about how the game is good and is like well well made and is a fun game to play, mm-hmm. and then also like the crazy incorporation of of the Disney and the Final Fantasy characters. It's like somehow that fact is like old news in right. 2019, <laughs> uh, and then. Like, the nostalgia factor all kind of glom together. But I don't think Kingdom Hearts 1 has an overall huge bearing on the plot as it stands right now. You're correct. Yeah. Um, the That's Kingdom the Hearts, one and only yeah. time you'll say that. Yeah. The, the Kingdom Hearts series has this, like, stigma about it. That it's, like, super complicated story. You can't understand it. It's blah, 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 darkness, blah, 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 friendship. <laughs> Uh, and that becomes true later down the line, like starting with like Kingdom Hearts 3D, the writing kind of becomes like a parody of itself, but especially in Kingdom Hearts 1, it's actually, I think, like very good storytelling, and it just, once it became like a full-fledged franchise, just kept adding more and more stuff until it just became like over bloated. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, most things that happen in Kingdom Hearts 1 basically become irrelevant to the rest of the plot of the right. series. So, so it kind of works as its own standalone thing. Right. And I know that in Kingdom Hearts 1, we get like a glimpse as to what Kingdom Hearts the thing sort of is. Uh, and Mickey gets trapped in the in what in the, where the realm of darkness. The, he's in the realm of darkness. Okay, so common uh, common misconception because okay. when they were making Kingdom Heart or the original game, at the ending there they have the big door that Ansem summons, which you assume is Kingdom Hearts or the door to Kingdom Hearts. Right. Um, but like later on, when they actually had to follow up and like explain what stuff was uh-huh. they really blur the lines there <laughs> because on the other side of that door is just the realm of darkness mm-hmm. that's where mickey and riku are at the end on the other side of the door which as i've learned is like a surprisingly like 
regular place, like a place that you could just walk around in. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be dangerous. It's supposed to be not possible for a regular person to go there and like not lose their heart or get consumed by darkness in some way. But then they like to break their own rules all the time mm-hmm. nowadays and just kind of be like, ah. All right. Yeah. Like it did, like I said, like it starts out with like, like in the original game, they didn't obviously want to go into this kind of detail about the specifics of what Kingdom Hearts is and where exactly the darkness and the heartless come from. And as they had to do that or decided to do that as the series went on, you get up, you end up with all these inconsistencies because it was never planned to be like that in the first place. Mm-hmm. So as we conclude Kingdom Hearts 1 uh, and move on to the next game, uh, where I assume just a long string of game retcons to the first game begins. Uh, we have Chain of Memories in 2004. Actually, surprisingly not. Uh, okay. Kingdom Heart, or Chain of Memories might be my second favorite in the series in terms of its writing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the concept and the writing in Chain of Memories is good and consistent with the original game. Okay, so Chain of Memories... My summary of this one's going to be quite short. Have You, you haven't played this one. No. Okay, I, I was played... thinking... You might have. <laughs> there was a chance, yeah. but I did not know. But Chain of Memories is... Uh, Sora has amnesia. Sort of. <laughs> it's an amnesia sort of situation. He gets there. Yeah. yeah. The, does, the whole, does the whole thing take place in a computer? No, that's recoded. That's recoded. So, Chain of Memories. Okay. Uh-huh. This is the you remember... is nominee, right? Yes. Okay. So, do you remember how Kingdom Hearts 1 ends? The secret after, ending or the actual Like, ending? after they seal the door, right? Uh-huh. Sora on one side, Mickey on the other. Door disappears. And there's just, like, a windy road. Mm-hmm. And Sora, Donald, and Goofy walk down it, right? Right. And then it cuts, I think, maybe mid or after credits. They're in, like, a big grassy grasslands field following that road still. And the dialogue's in Japanese. It's not. Man, what English. am I thinking of? I don't know. Right. Uh, and then Pluto shows up with a letter from Mickey uh-huh. and starts running and they chase after him and it plays the Traverse Town battle music. The and that's how it ends. Chain of Memories picks up right after that with them running down that road. And they run into our first appearance of an Organization 13 member, dude in black cloak. Right. Which the series is too obsessed with those black cloaks. Um... <laughs> And that uh, person leads them to Castle Oblivion. Mm. And Castle Oblivion is basically where the whole game takes place. And when you go into it, if you want to progress further up the castle, you lose bits of your memory with each floor you go up. Gotcha. And... The way that they, they contextualize all this, um, because the game was on the GBA and it worked with this weird card battling system. So they're like, the castle is govern, governed by these cards, right? And the cards are basically, they take your memories and turn them into cards. And then so you'll get 
cards that correspond to the worlds you went to in the first game mm-hmm. and you pick one for each floor and it makes the floor of that level into like a construct of your memories that looks like that place so hopefully one of the early cards that you get is not the knowing that the cards are your memories because then you're just fucked <laughs> you're like that's a weird this is that words jeez yeah. yeah it's actually explained fairly well they're like diegetic cards which i kind of like yeah yeah so and when obviously while progressing up the castle um Sora's losing his memories and they're trying to like manipulate him and he forgets Kyrie exists and they replace his memories of Kyrie with Namine and it becomes this whole thing mm-hmm. until when he finally gets to the top and defeats Marluxia who is the main bad guy in Chain of Memories the pink haired one with the scythe right um and then like bug antenna hair that's lark scene marluxia's a guy oh shit (laughs) marluxia that's like the most feminine name i mean it's a made-up name it is a (laughs) made-up but anyway and he is he is a feminine character but anyway um so and that's once you do that nominee puts you inside that little egg thing and reconstructs your memories and that's what's happening at the beginning of kingdom hearts 2 to anybody who played kingdom hearts 2 and is like why so in a weird egg <laughs> that's why okay it's like a yeah like a stasis pod yeah i feel like, like looking at this list of games and especially the release years i feel like chain of memories has got to be the spinoff game that is most likely that somebody would have played yeah between the two and you mentioned you've referred to it as a spin-off game. Uh, and I think lots of people would also do that when in reality none of the handheld games are spin-off games. Right. They are all like relevant games to the franchise, including <laughs> unbelievably uh, Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key. Yep, the the mobile game. Yeah, because it yeah, cuz that one seems the most like it just shouldn't be like story relevant yeah. but it is yep. it, totally it sure is. is and it's going to be very relevant going forward mm-hmm. I, i've actually beaten kingdom hearts 3 at the time of this recording right so if you haven't make sure you pick up <laughs> your smartphone and go to the app store uh this anyway, is any promotion other, for any further questions about chain of memories this I, is the introduction of axel he was okay, introduced yeah. in this game him and lark scene who is the blonde haired girl with the the lightning powers and the hair bits. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of introduced as like a duo. Um, you know, in, um, cause I was just re-listening to the world ends with you episode the other day. We referred to as <laughs> pink haired corset girl and lollipop red haired guy. Right. They're kind of a duo in that sense, like a Jesse and James gotcha. thing where yeah. they're, they're the ones who like the enforcers that like show up and mess with Sora does the does the name Organization Thirteen get dropped in Chain of Memories? It does. Okay, so they do actually talk about it, mm-hmm. and the and the member that you that they meet before they go into Castle Oblivion. I I'm not a hundred percent sure who that is. I'm just gonna assume it's Xehanort for it's, no reason. It's, I'm pretty sure it's not. It's probably Marluxia. <laughs> okay. That seems fair. Because they probably wouldn't do that and then just not have uh, any explanation for, like, yeah. many years. <laughs> uh, okay. 
So we're moving on, and this is the one... Another important thing I should mention, because it becomes relevant again, surprise, (laughs) is this is where they introduce replicas. Mm. Um, In the game, there is a Riku replica that they put the same memories as Sora into, like the ones about uh, Namine. So... They both think that they made this promise to her to protect her, and it causes a conflict between them. And it was just a, like a thing in that game, you know. It's like a <laughs> plot point in the story that worked. Um, and now they've brought it back in the third game, like the replica program, as if it's been a thing the whole time. And it it's does underfunded. It does come up in three, five, eight over two days, but you know, also it's like a back burner plot point. And now it's, like, a big thing that's, like, super plot important in the third game, which is weird. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, one question that I have that's going to reflect any of this going forward. Uh, this is the first game that had, like, well, this is the second game in the series, but the, this this game had that, like, card system. Mm-hmm. Because Game Boy Advance obviously limited hardware. Did other games in the series, other than the mobile game, which is, like, totally incapable of having, like, a, a Kingdom Hearts combat system, uh-huh. have a different combat system as well? They all have different tweaks on the combat system. Like, um, Birth by Sleep has like a kind of a deck system that you like you kind of like uh the command deck on the side like you put different abilities into it you have like a limited pool of things you can do and um three five eight over two days also has a similar system where you have like a little like resident evil uh box thing that you slot your little abilities into gotcha uh so they all have and like dream drop distance actually kind of works in a similar way where you just have, like, the more limited deck. You're opening my eyes here because I was talking to somebody the other day who's played, like, the majority of uh, the non-numbered games. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't count the fight three, five, eight over two days just because you have numbers in, in your <laughs> name. Uh, and he mentioned a deck system, and I was like, no, they don't have that in three. Mm. But I was th- definitely thinking... The chain of memories, card deck of cards right. system. Uh, anyway, so the next game that was released, two thousand and five, is Kingdom Hearts two, and it is actually being the second game mm-hmm. in the series and last that I've played. It is embarrassing how little I remember about this game. I have a hypothesis about why. Um, and this is where I think a lot of the problems and like issues with the series stem from mm-hmm. is their decision for like how to tell and like execute the story of Kingdom Hearts 2. Because the story is actually good in Kingdom Hearts 2. Right. Don't like it as much as the first one, but it's still a good story and a good sequel. Uh, but they decide to tell it out of order. Because they have this separate kind of subplot or side story of Roxas as a character. And they drop you in at, like, the last 10% of his story, like, without any context as to who he is. And it's on, like, now that I, like, am, like, have the context of all the other games and I'm, like, a big fan, 
going back and playing to, I can appreciate that. It's kind of like a Metal Gear 2 thing, you right. know, where they do, like, start you off as a completely mysterious, different character. And mm-hmm. you're like, what the fuck's going on? And, like, you didn't <laughs> appreciate it at the time. But, like, it's a really, I think, was a bad decision. Because I think it's where a lot of those feelings of Kingdom Hearts story doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's happening. Blah, blah, blah friendship blah 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 darkness right because the the plot of kingdom hearts 2 overall is sort of a microcosm of like the way that the story is told for the rest of the series Mm -hmm. but it's for the rest of the series taken as a whole compared to kingdom hearts 2 by itself Uh because you do have you have all of these things introduced in kingdom hearts 2 that are like impossible to enumerate because you have you roxas shows up and then there's like a whole thing and by a whole a whole thing is like dismissive and also like ridiculously understating (laughs) the amount of like crazy shit that happens just with organization 13 and the fact that basically you see the entirety of its story in kingdom hearts 2 being like just wildly conflicted it seems like the most ill-guided organization of all time yeah disorganization 13 (laughs) is more like it yeah, it's because you never really get to know any of the characters in it. They're all just and there are kind a of, lot of characters. Yeah, there's just kind of like anime bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might think that having played uh, Chain of Memories and having the fact that Organization Thirteen as a concept was introduced in that game might provide some meaningful context, but no, no, it does not because pretty much all the organization members you meet in that game die in that game with the exception of axel right and um because he's popular yes and so you're just starting from square one with all those details like the only relevant details you get from playing chain of memories are the situation soars in at the beginning and who nominee is right it's basically all you get so, I know, okay, so in addition to, to Roxas and Organization 13's like, whole, basically, downfall, and then the seeds planted of a rise again, mm-hmm. uh, that are in, you also get introduced to Xehanort, and the fact that Ansem basically has, like, it, it like, a Gandalf situation, where there's, like, Ansem the Wise, and then there's Ansem the... And then there's Sleepy Ansem and, like, and, and Angry Ansem. Okay, so I'll explain this as well. Uh, and to the best of my ability without getting into stuff from future games. Um, so basically, once you get about, about halfway through the game, maybe not quite half, but you hit this plot point that is a twist where the final boss from the first game wasn't actually Ansem. Right. He was actually a Heartless. Uh, My years of research, I I didn't even (laughs) remember that. (laughs) Yeah. So, and the idea is that Ansem the Wise, right? There was a person called Ansem, but it wasn't who you fought at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1. was a guy who was actually blonde, and has a nice blonde beard, and was voiced by Christopher Lee. Um... (laughs) And he was doing experiments on the heart. That's mm. all true. And then he took on this apprentice whose name was Xehanort. Right. And that apprentice ended up stealing his identity and carrying on his research under his name until eventually 
he either like tried to experiment on his own heart or he lost his heart for whatever reason because of his research went out of control and he became a nobody and a heartless that nobody is Zemnis and that heartless was the heartless from the first game right the ansem from the first game and ansem the wise unrelated to that he's bumming around though <laughs> yeah in hiding right so okay so that's the Vajra, I kind of, honestly, this is weird because, like, I know the shtick with Organization 13 and the fact that all of their names are just another name, anagram, and then they slap an X in there. Yep. For the life of me, I literally just didn't remember that Xemnas and Ansem were, were the, that was, like, the, mm-hmm. that's the, the Kingdom Hearts decoded version of his name. Yep. So I kind of forgot about that, so that's probably important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry this all becomes even more complicated once we get to birth by sleep so i'm, I'm excited um but uh well, one oh, yeah. thing okay. while i'm thinking about it this is how complicated things get that i forgot to mention in chain of memories once you beat it you unlock what they call reverse rebirth because square Enix likes to name things really weird all right where you play through the game as riku uh, so there's like a second side of the story where Riku, uh, after the first game, was in the Realm of Darkness, right? Mm-hmm. And he, uh, King Mickey, leads him back to the uh, Realm of Light, and he ends up in the basement of Castle Oblivion. So he's in like basement floor 12, and has to make his way from the bottom of the basement all the way up to the top floor to leave. And he goes through this whole thing where like Ansem possessed him, as you mentioned, you remember that in in the first game and he's still like remnants of him are in there. And it's his story is about like overcoming that and conquering the darkness in his heart and leaving. So, and that's actual him. Yes. It's actual him. So that's also important. Right. Presumably. And I forgot about it. Well, it, it, it will be, it's important because in Kingdom Hearts 2, Riku shows his face as like the antagonist character. He's doing shady shit in the background. Yeah, uh, which is not which is not the buddy. Riku always has like I'm a, I was actually a little bit surprised starting up Kingdom Hearts three that Riku and Sora were on like solid terms again mm-hmm. because like my memory of the Kingdom Hearts series is that Riku is like a complete dickwad. <laughs> He's the He's a villain in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts out as a rival, then kind of becomes like an adversary, and then straight up a villain. Uh, but f- after that, he is he's kind of like an anti-hero in two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing work for the real Ansem, Ansem the Wise, and he's going around with like a blindfold on because like he's using the power of darkness because right. he thinks he's weak. And because he was built by Yorha. Yeah, because he was built by Yorha. And uh, he's the one who actually fights and defeats Roxas and takes him to Ansem the Wise. And then Ansem the Wise puts him in the computer. And that's like how, how Kingdom Hearts 2 starts. Right. So he's, but you don't know that's what's going on until later in the game when you find out. Uh, you you rejoin with Riku at the world that never was, right? And he joins your party. Yeah, and then the final boss of two is Zemnis. Zemnis. That's I mean that seems like a pretty decent recap. It's a, <laughs> it's a better recap than the game. So what's what's up with what's Rox is up to this whole time? Okay, so 
three five eight over two days. All right. Uh, Released it, in two thousand and eight. Yes, is the sto- is Roxas's life story basically. Mm-hmm. Um, in Kingdom Hearts one, uh, in order to free Kyrie's heart from his own body, Sora takes that Keyblade that Riku uses in that boss fight and releases her heart from his body and he in as that happens he becomes a heartless finally fucking six years later yes (laughs) he becomes a heartless and there's a cool part where you play as a heartless and to escape the castle um and so when that happened it also created a nobody which is roxas right and the game starts with him just being kind of like a droning kind of comatose uh, being and then he eventually kind of like develops faculties and he's you know with organization 13 he's got the black cloak on they found him giving him his uniform right and are putting him to work <laughs> got to take advantage of this yeah. while Sora's uh in stasis so this is the year in between kingdom hearts one and two which is basically it just roxas's existence okay so does this factor into why the game is called 358 over two days. It does. Um, I'm going to put a tag like on the YouTube video version of this that's like, click here to jump to why is it called 358 <laughs> over two so days. So that a, the game like kind of has this, not framing device, but this little thing where it'll show you what day you're on. Like It's like kind of mission-based, like you're doing missions for the organization. Mm-hmm. And it'll tell you like what day... Because, like, assumingly, he's keeping a journal. Um, and it plays out over 352 days. But then at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2, you go through seven days, and that all adds up to a year. So it's the 300 and, uh, 358 days before Kingdom Hearts, Hearts 2. 2. So 358 over 2. Gotcha. Days. That's a that's bad. Yeah. Um, before we go into the, the the plot of the game, though, do you want to say like two cents on uh, Coded because we did skip it? I have not played Coded, but I will give you my two cents on it. Right. I do know that it takes place in a computer. Check the box for Chad. <laughs> um, so this game started out as a mobile phone game in like two thousand something. Well, it was remade as a DS game. That's probably the DS release. No, it's 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, because that's this was like, yeah, this was like the infancy of smartphones, right? Uh, so, and it was Japan exclusive. It was just like basically like a port of the original game to phones. Bizarre. It's basically what it was, and then they decided to give it a DS remake where they added shit to the story and made it like plot relevant. Like there's a thing called data Sora in it. Uh, (laughs) Like it's weird. It's yeah. It's very weird that they decided to canonize that game. But like, does this have, or as far as you're aware, is there like a plot effect of this existing? Uh, Data Sora summon in. I think it's something they it's, introduces like the plot element that like you can construct a heart from data okay i think is what it what relevant information it it gives to the story the the presence of like 
data in Kingdom Hearts as a thing is also kind of unclear. It's very weird, yes. Yeah, because, like, they do go to Tron. They do. Which is pretty, like, specifically set in, like, the the, the late 80s. Yep. So Through Ansem's computer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, clearly computers are a thing. But this is... Now I'm speculating, and I'm the wrong person to be speculating. <laughs> so, uh... What else happens in three five? Do we do three five eight over two justice, or do we need more? Um, no, there's definitely more to cover in that one. So, with his time in the organization, him and Axel kind of become best buds, mm-hmm. and the replica program uh, from, as it becomes later called, from Chain of Memories is put to use in the plot of this game because that's how they create Shion, which is a they wanted. They're collecting hearts, uh, right. is what Organization Thirteen's doing, because um, they want to like recreate Kingdom Hearts from a bunch of hearts, and so they have Roxas, but they're like, that's not enough. We need like another Keyblade wielder to collect hearts. So they take a replica and they put some of Sora's memories, you know, that Nominee's trying to put back together, yeah, into Shion, and create like a another Keyblade wielding being a 14th member of Organization 13 to collect hearts with them. And so Axel, Roxas, and Shion become, like, the three amigos. Yeah, 100%. And this this game actually... So this is the game that introduces Shion. Yes. And Shion's name, like, is, like... It's, it's, it's just an original name, as far Shion. as I know. It could be Ion, because Ion. she wears lights <laughs> and shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, it's just an original name. Yeah. And it's just it was... Until now, just kind of all localized to that game. And yeah. it, that would explain why, at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2, that, like, Axel shows up looking for Roxas. Okay. Uh, and that's why you have that sweet boss fight against him. It is why you have that sweet boss fight. In, uh, so, 358 over 2 was on... The DS. The DS. So... Was this one of the games that they they put, like, the cutscenes... In one of the collections? Yeah, they put the cutscenes and some summaries, you know, uh, into the... This was on 2.5 Remix. Gotcha. Okay. Because I, I know I've seen parts of this before, and I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. I've never played it. This game is actually, like, really good, I think, narratively. Like, Roxas's story is actually very well executed when you're actually able to experience the whole thing. Like, he's a very, like, tragic and, like, relatable kind of character that you're really able to, like, sympathize with. Yeah. Uh, Roxas is actually, like, in, I think at this point in the story, I feel like Roxas is sort of better Sora. Because Sora is <laughs> yeah. just always kind of, like, doing his hero thing, like, sacrificing parts of him and yeah. just smacking dudes. Well, they really kind of changed Sora's character a lot. Like, kind of slowly over the course of the series to where he's not really that great anymore. And now, like, Roxas and, like, Riku and pretty much any other character is just better than he is now. <laughs> More interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on that note, we move on to uh, the dawn of a new decade, 2010's Birth by Sleep. Okay, this is actually my favorite, second favorite game in the series. Not favorite, um, second favorite game. Uh, it's a prequel story, and you might think 
have negative feelings associated with the word prequel because most of them are no good. But this one's very, very well executed. It has a couple of really, really cool plot twists. Okay. Yeah. This game, this is like just on the cusp of like my complete internet consumed life where like i didn't even know this game was coming out until jj had it and was like here's this kingdom hearts game on the psp and i was like (laughs) what (laughs) this exists like that i kind of miss that being a thing that can happen yeah um but yeah this game took me by surprise in pretty much every way because i even when i was young when kingdom hearts one came out uh, but even back then, so like two came out when I was in like junior high. Uh, even back then, I was like disappointed in like what I perceived as a downgrade in storytelling in the second game. So my my expectations for where the story would go in the future were lowered significantly, and like this game, like completely took me by surprise because the storytelling's really good and birth by sleep i know we're coming up on sort of like the later parts like a lot of the games that i'm looking at here have a lot of remixes in their titles uh-huh. uh so did we miss at any point any reference to the like main plot point of, of the recap in kingdom hearts 3 which is the great keyblade war or does that come into play in this game it's in this game okay so i remembered that <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, so set the scene. Who do we start off as? Okay, so this takes place, I'm pretty sure, ten years before the events of Kingdom Hearts 1. Okay. Um, we are in the Land of Departure, which is where Master Ericus, voiced by Mark Hamill, a Keyblade Master, is training three apprentices. Which Mark are... Hamill's voice at one point came out of a PSP console. It did. That's it very was, It was beautiful. Uh, and his three apprentices, which are... Terra, Ventus, and Aqua. Yeah, I know this stuff. <laughs> I'm excited. All right. And um, it starts off, they're having their Mark of Mastery exam. Right? It drops you off right in the in the midst of this. Right. Uh, and Ven is the younger one, Ventus, who looks like Roxas, to be confusing. Yes. Um, he's not participating in the test. It's just Terra and Aqua, and they have to, like, spar with each other. Um and also Xehanort is there. Right, uh, he's yeah. he's also a master, master and he Xehanort. also lives there. He's like the the other Keyblade master. Um but he's not administering the exam. <laughs> for whatever reason. He's, he's just hanging out. Chilling he's, out. He's, his it's his day off. Yeah. Um <laughs> Xehanort's day off. Yes. Became his birth by sleeve. <laughs> Colon 0.3. Xehanort's <laughs> <laughs> day, day off. off. Not quite final cut. So during the exam, he does some, like, bullshit and, like, tempts Terra's heart with darkness. Of course. And he gives into it a little bit for power. Because of that, he fails the exam. So Aqua becomes Keyblade Master right there, right off the bat. And Terra doesn't. This makes him pissed and mad. And so he runs off like a crybaby. And the other two go after him. And that's kind of, like, what starts the whole let's go to Disney World's adventure. Right. Uh, it's a little bit rushed in that way, but it makes enough sense when you're actually going through it. Um, We're approaching, I think, the part of this game that made me like actually just be like, "Man, fuck, fuck this shit." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's that's uh, an oversimplified version, but you know, 
Yeah. Uh, it gets you right into the action pretty quick, though. Um, so you can play as three different characters in this game. You can play as all three, Terra, Ventus, and Aqua. And the game recommends you play them in that order, and I would as well, because like, the story, I think, comes off best that way. Right. So you play through Terra's story first, and... It's all about, like, Xehanort is pursuing Terra because he wants to steal his body, basically. He wants to body snatch him. Right. Because he's old, and he's got this whole, like, I want to be a mortal thing, so he needs to take a new vessel. I've also heard, and I know this this references the real Organization 13 as opposed to fucking, I don't know, the Mickey Mouse Club. Uh-huh. Uh, but... <laughs> For some reason, I've heard the phrase "norted" in multiple contexts, meaning that it norted. seems like a decently accepted phrase. So we're saying that he tried to nort Terra. He he did, yeah, and okay. he is successful. Oh shit! The, well, do you remember the secret movie at the end of Kingdom Hearts two? No. Okay, the secret movie at the end of Kingdom Hearts two is just what became birth by sleep um it's like this scene where these three keyblade wielders show up in this keyblade graveyard right mm-hmm. uh and they all have cool armor on and they have these like cool looking different keyblades that look you know different from the way they've looked before uh in previous games and then master Xehanort shows up and who, at the time you didn't know who he was and they have like this epic battle and whatever and I remember everyone who was into Kingdom Hearts just like speculated so fucking wildly about that trailer. And they thought like there were all these like fake JPEGs online of people making like fake logos that were like Kingdom Hearts three, the Keyblade Wars. And it was like all this stuff. People speculated about that like to death. And it ended up being this game instead and not Kingdom Hearts three. Right. Um, Thankfully, yeah. So in the end, they have this uh, that that confrontation that's depicted in that cutscene, and you end up fighting Terra as or Xehanort as Terra, and even though you you know win in the game, losing the cutscene thing happens, uh, and uh, Xehanort steals Terra's body. Okay, and which is why Ansem and Xemnas both look like Terra is because Xehanort was using Terra's body when he lost his heart. Right, and it's cheaper to animate. I guess. Actually, it might not even be. <laughs> they, I think they look different enough that, it, that yeah. they probably had to have different models and things. Yes, they do. That sucks. Um, but anyway, so that's how Terra's story plays out. He also ends up killing Ericus. Uh, he, uh, Eric, Which sticks 100%. It actually does. Yeah. Um, because he's like falling to darkness or whatever, and Ericus tries to stop him, mm-hmm. and he gets killed. Uh, but anyway, and then Ventus's story is that Xehanort found Ventus. I don't know, remember where exactly or what the story is there. Uh, and he tried to use him as his vessel, right? But it wasn't working out too pure or whatever. And so what he does is he splits Ventus's heart into pure light and pure darkness. Right. Which is Ventus Venetus. And Venetus. Yes. Fuck that. Why? <laughs> because Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. You need the similar sounding names and similar looking people. Uh, it's uh, like one letter <laughs> off. I know. Uh, and so the idea there is to get 
both of them to fight each other, like pure lightness fighting pure darkness, to create the key blade, right. or the X blade, or the Kai blade, whatever you want to call it, I think which will summon Kingdom Hearts and cause like a rebirth of the universe or whatever. By sleep. Yes. Yeah. And I think as a footnote, both for this podcast and also the one on Kingdom Hearts 3, if at any point the, the key blade comes up, uh-huh. we should refer to it as like, like the X-blade. X-Blade or a crossblade or something like yeah. that in order just to like f- avoid the confusion. Right. And so he goes through his story. He's trying to find Terra is basically what Ventus is doing. Uh, and they don't meet back up really until the end with that climactic battle. Uh, and what happens during that is Ventus has this internal battle inside his own heart or mind or whatever with Vanitas, which he wins. He defeats Vanitas, and Vanitas is wielding the X-Blade because, you know, they did clash and it was created. Yeah. So he has to stop him. He beats him, but this leaves him, like, comatose. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the state he's left in at the end of the game. Right. And then Aqua's story is that she is told by Ericus to go bring Ventus and Terra back. Right. Uh, she goes through all the... That's going to sound real weird, like, starting that... You're like, shit, I know this doesn't work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and so she goes off on her little adventure. It's like, I brought and, back their corpses. Yeah. So they had the climactic battle at the end. Uh, Aqua has to fight Brig, who later becomes Zigbar, right. uh, who's the, basically there just to like distract her mm-hmm. while these other things happen. And uh, oh, Mickey's also there. He helps Aqua fight uh, Brig and Vanitas. You have to fight them both. Vanitas is both fighting Aqua and Mickey on the outside and Vanitas, or Ventus on the inside. He was stretched pretty thin <laughs> mentally. Can... That's why he lost. Uh, <laughs> so... That happens. Everybody loses. Right. Everybody winning the game, losing the cutscene. Aqua's the only one who gets away. She takes Ventus, and um, she puts him in the land of departure, right? Like, on the throne, uh, in that little, like, uh, I guess, throne room that they had their exam in at the beginning. And she... uh, It shows this flashback cutscene of Ericus explaining to her that if she should ever need it, that she can hide something in the castle and lock it away so she's the only one who can access it. Mm-hmm. So she puts Ven there, and she does that. She hides him there, and she, like, you know, shoots a little key hole uh, with the ray of light, as you do in Kingdom Hearts. Right. There's and, a very notable, memorable gesture yes. that was done. And it changes the land of departure into Castle Oblivion, which is a sweet plot twist, which explains why you lose your memories as you go up to the top. You can never make it to the top because that's where Ventus is. Right. Uh, which is a cool tie-in plot twist thing. Except two people totally make it to the top. Well, not all the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, okay. Uh, <laughs> They're just doing it to the part where you can then go home. Yes. The if they would have gone any up, further, his head would have exploded. Yeah. Just... <laughs> uh, but anyway. And then she goes to confront Terranort, which is a word you've probably also heard. Yeah. Xehanort uh, uh, in Terra's body, which happens in Radiant Garden, which is what 
is the real name of Hollow Bastion, if you remember that from Kingdom Hearts 2. I do remember Hollow Bastion. That's where they fight. She defeats him. Uh, and then, you know, the big uh, Ansem shadow guy, you know, yes. that's behind him. He has that in that fight. After she beats him, it, like, falls away into, like, a pool of darkness. And he's, he falls back into it. And he's sinking down into the darkness. Right. So she jumps in after him. And she saves him. She throws him out uh, and basically sacrifices herself to float down into the darkness. And that's why she's stuck in the realm of darkness for 10 years. Oh, man. She's, yeah, she's been in the darkness for a whole A whole time. decade. Yeah. Uh, and after uh, Terranort comes back out, he is found by Ansem the Wise in Radiant Gardens. How he becomes his apprentice and takes his identity and all that shit. But when he, they find him, he has amnesia. Of course, mm-hmm. after you know, going through that whole fight and all that. It's funny because it's like the game where you don't need it because nobody else remembers what he was doing anyway. Right. <laughs> I guess they thought him having amnesia made more sense than him like secretly infiltrating this scientist's lab without knowing what it was first. Right, yeah. Um, so that's how that all happens. Anson the Wise as a character, really would be less suspicious <laughs> if, like, nobody had played Kingdom Hearts 1. Yes. Like, the name, it's, it's a loaded name. It's yep. like if you named your kid, like, Adolf these <laughs> days. Like, <laughs> it can't just be, like, a thing. Right. Okay. I think I didn't, I don't think I missed anything crucial this, there. Yeah, as you're explaining this, I'm realizing, like, this is, like, obviously the, this is the important one. Oh, yeah. This should have been Kingdom Hearts 3. Basically, yeah. it should have been on the PS3 and marketed as a mainline series game. Also, it would have had nice like synergy with three and the three different stories yep. that you do. But it was on the PSP. <laughs> they gotta they gotta push that. Console. They gotta put things on as many different systems as possible and give them weird names. Brand branch and, and make people not think and, they're real. Kingdom yes, Hearts and not games. market them as if they're actual Kingdom Hearts games and not just spinoffs. Okay, so that that is the game that sets up basically the events of Kingdom Hearts as a franchise. Yeah, uh, and that's establishes what it, the villain. Yeah, that's what brings up most of the relevant plot points for three. That people who played one and two will have no idea what any of it means. All right, so let's rob all of the the weight that this game has given as we move uh, a step forward to Dream Drop Distance. This one was kind of the nail in the coffin uh, (laughs) for me caring about the story of Kingdom Hearts. Mm -hmm. Uh, A coffin that has apparently just been burst open at some point, because here we are recording a podcast about the story of Kingdom Hearts. Well, I mean, like being invested in the way that I was. I obviously still care. But, so, I said earlier that this is kind of where the writing in Kingdom Hearts became a parody of itself. Uh, And it starts off by, they just made Sora an idiot in this game. They basically gave him what I referred to as Peter Griffin Syndrome, where this same thing happened to Spongebob and this same thing happened to Goku, right? They were characters that were like... Pause the podcast right now and think to yourself... Of the Venn diagram, <laughs> what's the overlap? What's our what's our x? What's our key factor <laughs> between <laughs> between Goku and SpongeBob and Peter Griffin and, Peter Griffin. and Sora? <laughs> 
text your answers to 555. Uh, Go on. They were all like these likable characters that had these childlike qualities to them, but were still written as like well-rounded, realistic characters to some more than others. You know, some are like SpongeBob, you know, it was obviously like a kid's cartoon character. Uh, still but, very likable. Yeah, but still, he had like a he was like an adult. He had a job, you yeah. know, like you know. Anyway, and they take <laughs> that and they just dumb it down to like, oh, he's like goofy. He doesn't, you know, like he forgets stuff. He he says dumb things. Like they they play up that childish aspect and basically make that the whole character. And retroactively too. Yeah. Which is the worst part of it. It also happened to what's his name in Parks and Rec, Andy. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. he got if super you, stupid. If you watch like the first season, you're like, yeah, he's like a childish immature guy, but he's still like an adult man. <laughs> and then later he's like a chi- a man child. Right. He can't care for himself. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're t- working with here. <laughs> uh, that's what they did to Sora. Mhm. Gave him Peter Griffin syndrome. Um, so that right off the bat sucks. Uh, there's all kinds of scenes of Sora going like, what? Uh, I don't understand. Like things are explained to him and he's like, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. Hearts, blah, blah, blah. Friendship. But like literally that's now the dialogue. <laughs> Hypothesis. <laughs> Could they have done this because it had been... 10 years since anybody had played a Kingdom Hearts game and they wanted (laughs) Sora to be like an audience surrogate Mm -hmm. and also in Sora's defense not in the writer's defense because this is a bad decision (laughs) really no matter how you look at it Uh but in Sora's defense this dude is like a ship of Theseus of internal organs at this point like he's his heart's like been in and out he's got different (laughs) hearts inside of him his brain got like fragmented (laughs) and then put back together yeah he's been spending too much time with Goofy yeah and not to mention the fact like just totally like inconsequential to the plot but totally a thing that would fuck you up hard Mm -hmm. he was like also a lion and a mermaid (laughs) (laughs) and he was data and he was he was a heartless he was a heartless uh yeah it's been so many things yeah no sora probably isn't even the same sora that we started with no he's data sora the whole time the whole time um but anyway but it's it's especially weird because all the other characters are for the most part written exactly the same (laughs) And it doesn't help that Haley Joel Osment's voice keeps changing a lot in between. You know, like, it's just weird. Haley like, Joel the Sora Osment. we have now is so different from the Sora from Kingdom Hearts 1 and so different from the Sora in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, if you check out Haley Joel Osment's, like, IMDb page, the trivia thing, he actually went through puberty four times. <laughs> really it kind of feels like he went through it at least twice. Yeah. Because, like, the Sora voice, you would think it would be the same now as it was in 2. But it's not. No, super Like, not. you can tell, like, his voice has become, like, a little bit deeper or raspier or something, and he has to kind of do the voice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it sounds natural, and sometimes it doesn't at all. Right. But anyway, it's, it's like, weird. <laughs> Very weird. And then Riku sounds exactly the fucking same as he did in the first game. Fucking <laughs> 18 years ago. It's just weird. It's it is weird. Super weird. They show, like, a, a like the behind <laughs> the scenes in the voice clip, and he's, like got a balloon around his head like he's karate chopping the sides of his neck he's like this is the only way to make it sound again it's worth it <laughs> um but anyway so so the plot of this game they've dumbed down the writing of sora which i don't like right off the bat mm-hmm. um so the plot of this game is fucking weird okay so and i'm pretty sure tetsuya namura was 
full in wrist deep on Final Fantasy 15 right now. So I'm pretty sure this game was largely handled by a different team than made the like main series games up till this point. Mm-hmm. And so we said that Birth by Sleep should have been Kingdom Hearts 3. Right, in its importance to the plot. Right. This is basically actually Kingdom Hearts 3 because this was a continuation. It picks up right where 2 left off. Gotcha. And Riku and Sora are now taking their Mark of Mastery exam because now that's a thing we know, right? <laughs> and apparently Yen Sid was also a Keyblade Master. Retroactive, hey, we, we never... retroactive stuff left there, and right. There are an infinite number of characters in the series, and like most people probably can't keep track of them all. Mm-hmm. We didn't ever mention Yen Sid, and that seems like maybe a bit of an oversight. Yeah, Yen Sid was Mickey's Keyblade Master, uh, and he and he looks ridiculous. Oh, yeah, he's the wizard from Fantasia. Yeah, uh, that short, the Sorcerer's Apprentice that everyone knows. That's who Yen Sid is. It is Disney spelled backwards <laughs> with a space in the middle. Right. Um, so, and he kind of serves as like the mission giver, basically, in two and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just kind of like sits in his tower with a cool theme music playing and tells expository dialogue to Sora mm-hmm. and, and friends. And his name is not Ned, which I thought Ned, when yeah. I started. <laughs> he, he, he's Ned Schneebly from uh, School of Rock. <laughs> Right. Played by Jack Black. <laughs> the Keyblade Master. Yes. Based on true events. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what was I even fucking talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, Dream yeah. Drop Distance. Yeah. So you're in Yen Sid's Tower, right? And he's like, you gotta take your Mark of Mastery exam. Which, for no reason at all, is gonna involve diving into the dreams of sleeping worlds. Because that's a thing now. Uh, so you play the game as both Sora and Riku taking the exam, and it works on this kind of cool, what they call the drop system, where you have like a time limit as to how long you can play as one character before you fall asleep and have to then play as the next the other character. Okay. And you can buy these items called drop-me-nots, which will extend your time. So if you're having trouble with a boss or whatever, you can pop off a drop-me-not and have more time and not get taken out of it in the middle of the fight. Right. Um, so that's kind of neat, and it, it works for the handheld game format, I think. Um, but this is where flow motion is introduced. Uh, oh, and I forgot to mention in Birth by Sleep is where the shot lock comes from. Uh, which is, these are all mechanics that are brought back in Kingdom Hearts 3, which is why I'm saying this. Right, I was actually going to, at the end of this, do a lightning round and just kind of rattle off some stuff, and then you try and tell me what game it's from, but this works too. Yeah, and um, also, from Birth by Sleep, there's like, I forget what they call them, but they're like, you use a move, and then you continue building up combo, and then it gives you like a finisher move. Oh, like the, the, what are they called, the... The Keyblade form chain, form chain, it, or yeah, Grand Magic. Th- that's what it is in Kingdom Hearts three, but that concept comes from from Birth by Sleep, gotcha, uh, as well. And I just don't remember what it's called in that game. But anyway, I digress. Flow motions, a cool concept. They kind of go overboard with it in Dream Drop Distance, where like when you use it, you do a shitload more damage. 
and the game's balanced around it. So like everything's got like massive health pools. And if you try to fight like a boss, especially with regular melee attacks, it'll take you like five hours to beat them. <laughs> so you just have to spam flow motion all the time. But anyway, um, so you go through what are the sleeping worlds, which are worlds that fell to the darkness in the first game. Uh, but never like woke back up, never came back. Okay. So still Disney worlds. Still Disney worlds. Like you get, um, there's a hunchback of Notre Dame world. There's a Pinocchio world. You get to see his home world. Um, there's a Tron world. Tron, it's Tron legacy specifically. And it's got like the realistic looking people. It's fucking weird. That's super weird. Yeah. Very weird. There's a Fantasia level, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Fortunately that was not in Kane Hearts 3. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and probably a couple other I'm forgetting. Uh, there's one based on like a Mickey Mouse cartoon, like it's a Three Musketeers Mickey Mouse cartoon, which I like. I wish they'd do shit like that more often. Yeah, that's Something dope. more obscure. Um, but anyway, so you go through all the Disney levels and you're being pursued or like, you know, how Kingdom Hearts is. Villains will just show up in the Disney levels like they're shoehorned in there yeah. to give mysterious dialogue to Sora so we can be like, huh? Hearts? <laughs> Um, so that's, that's not how I remember. Yeah. That's how Dream Distance <laughs> Yeah, that's how Dream Drop Distance yeah. works. But, um, so they're being, he's being followed by young Xehanort. And this is when things really just go right off the rails. We're now in the midst of a time travel plot mm-hmm. where Xehanort, right, villain from Birth by Sleep, is sending his consciousness or whatever his heart through time to find 13 vessels for himself that's where to, to create the real organization 13 uh as i just texted the real organization 13 in quotes to jj when i was starting kingdom hearts 3 uh-huh. and his only response was just fuck <laughs> exactly well yeah yeah, because I think we all secretly hoped that they wouldn't lean into that shit this hard, mm-hmm. but they sure did. Um, but so, and it just makes no sense. So he goes through time uh, as his younger self and finds like Ansem from the first game, Ansem, not Ansem, Billy Zane from the first game, uh, and Zeminus and, like, all these other characters and, like, pulls them out of time to be in his organization. So it, like, puts this really weird retroactive spin on the other games where, like, are they aware of this Right. in those games? Or is it a kind of thing where they're pulled out of time and then when they get put back, they have no memory of it? I don't fucking know. They don't go into that. Yeah. Whatever. You can't just drop a time travel plot and, on people without telling them. You gotta well, get your Dramamine. If you gotta bring your time you can, travel pants. You can have a complex time travel narrative, but you have to actually like set up rules and shit. Mm-hmm. Or you can have a more straightforward one where you kind of leave it up to the imagination, but it's got to be easy to understand. You can't have like a super convoluted, weird-ass time travel plot like this and not explain how it works. Right. Which is what, what they decided they were going to do that anyway. <laughs> So, it's, yeah, very disappointing to have to play through that game and groan all the time about this stupid plot shit that's happening. Uh, So, you get towards the end, and there's this, like, 
I don't know if you call it a plot twist or like this plot elements where uh, Xehanort wants to use Sora's body as a vessel and is partially successful in doing so. And then you have to save Sora as Riku. You had to do what they've now called a dive to the heart. Okay. Which I think we've talked about this on the podcast before in whatever episode. So in the beginning of the first game, where you're in the stained glass tower area, that's now a thing that they've given a name to and made it part of the lore of Kingdom Hearts, where it's called a dive to the heart. That's a representation of a Keyblade wielder specifically. Keyblade wielder's heart, which is a place that you can actually go to. So Riku has to dive into Sora's heart to like reawaken him or whatever it's to save him. And when he's in there, you have this sick ass boss fight with Ventus's Keyblade armor. Uh. Yeah, and it's like a really sweet boss fight because like it's like a white room and like the armor is like black goo kind of. So you're fighting it, and then it'll like dive down into the white and it'll reverse the color so now it's a black room and he's like white Uh, and it does like a shift and it changes his fighting style really cool uh in terms of like boss fight mechanics anyway and so you win you save sora and riku's made a keyblade master and sora failed his exam (laughs) ha 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 and if you want a good example of them dumbing down sora's writing look up a cutscene of when this happens because once Riku wakes up Sora's already woken back up mm-hmm. and he's there with like Donald and Goofy and then like you know it's from Riku's perspective and you see Sora's back and he like turns around and he's wearing like glasses with the nose and mustache and like a party hat and they're like eating cake for no reason it feels like a Dragon Ball Z filler episode right it's like oh we're all having a cake party at Yen Sid's house <laughs> <laughs> it's like weird tonal whatever and then they do even more dumb shit and they're like oh axel's got a keyblade now he's lee he's now a real person again uh he's got a keyblade why not because people like axel uh and now Kyrie's gonna be a keyblade wielder too because we need seven light guardians of light to fight the 13 seekers of darkness to create the x-blade even though that's xehanort's plan right right but they at no point did they ever be like, let's not fight him. Because <laughs> like, let's actually it... give him the seven pieces that he needs to complete his puzzle, and not even once bring up the possibility of not doing that. Right. We're just gonna do it. Uh, so they train Lee and Kyrie how to use a Keyblade, whatever, right. and then they're like, we have to go save Aqua and Ventus and Terra because uh, it's clearly retconned because mickey was there and knew those people and it's never been brought up before mm-hmm. and they shoehorn some like excuse where they if he would have told them they would have tried to rescue them and they would have gotten lost in the darkness too or some bullshit uh and it's just like so much crap that's introduced that's super like not well thought out right and then and this game has to try and wrap all that stuff up and make it all make sense and tie it together i feel like there were like so many things there that i wanted to be like but what about 
and how about but now the only thing I can think of is how much I liked Axel's like uh, little circle weapons way better than him with the keyblade. Yeah, well, one they barely show him using the keyblade, which was weird. Uh, but the way he uses it is he holds it over his back like he held the whatever you know what those weapons are called. Not at all. The wheel things he uses. Chakras? Sure. That sounds That sounds right to me. Uh, Like, he held his chakras. uh, And he, like, spins it around, too. It's, like, it's cool how they made him use the Keyblade. Okay. Uh, Because the handle of it is exactly, like, one of those. Um, That was a tangent. I don't know. Oh, that was it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was trying to go back over it in my head. And I have already forgotten like a lot of what happened there, uh, and yeah, it it, seem, it might seem like I totally hate that plot, because I do mostly. But like JJ hates it like three times more than I do. Like um, just bring it up to him, and lots of obscenities will fly around. Yeah, we'll do that for you next episode. <laughs> definitely NSFW. Uh, oh yeah, about the I think that. If my understanding is correct, the reason that they they can't just not fight him is because the Seekers of Darkness are using the tried-and-true tactics of just bullying everyone into a fight. Yeah, I mean, they, they can't can... just provoke them mm-hmm. forever. That's fair, I guess. I mean, I don't know if that's... It probably isn't. Like, they're like, like, clearly not thinking rationally. You'll have to clash with us or I'll kill your whole family kind the, of yeah, a thing. Yeah, kind of shit. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the long and short of it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna group these next two uh, sets of two together, mm-hmm. um, and the first one I'm hoping the answer is just no to this question. Do 1.5 and 2.5 remix add anything to them that actually changes our interpretation thus far? Not that I can remember. Um... In Kingdom Hearts 1, I think they added an extra um, Ansem report that ties into the existence of nobodies, like foreshadows that to tie it in. And they have the secret boss fight against uh, Xemnas okay. that they added, but that's not real. That isn't really. That just ties to Kingdom Hearts 2 and not really anything to the whole st- overall story. Right. And Kingdom Hearts 2 just added in the uh, Cavern of Remembrance, which lets you do a boss rush, basically, of all the organization Organization members. members. Okay. I actually did... That was the one thing I wanted to bring up, because I didn't know if that was, like, somehow going to be related because of the replica program, but it's It's, all memories. It's it's data. Yeah. It's the RE-coded connection. Okay. Uh, In that case, then the next set, and our penultimate discussion before talking about uh, 2.8 is uh, key and unchained key. Uh-huh. Uh, Don't forget 0.2, birth by sleep, a fragmentary passage. That's not, a, that's not on Wikipedia. That's <laughs> Ooh, a fake game. Wow. What? What are you talking about? This is all new it's, information to Chad. Uh, so it's... On the 2.8 final chapter prologue, they released a a pseudo-sequel to Birth by Sleep, which was Aqua tooling around in the Realm of Darkness. And it was basically like a tech demo for KH3. Like, it was on the new engine and showcased the new mechanics. Uh, 
And I think at one time they wanted it to be a full game, like they wanted to make a Birth by Sleep 2, but they had to chop it down to like a five-hour thing. Okay, I now know what we're talking about. That's yeah. what I was going to talk about with 2.8. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, That's what that is. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so then do... Let's just let's actually just tackle that. Is that pretty much all it is? Is she's just in the realm of darkness, mm-hmm. being assaulted? Basically? Yeah, you go through like cool darkness versions of some of the worlds from uh, Birth by Sleep, which is neat. It yeah, it it's basically just an extended glorified tech demo, but it does have some cool visuals, and it is nice to see that character again because it's right. you know been so long <laughs> and it is important like, yeah for and the, it's important to the story yeah for the sake of like story. what what she's been doing all this time okay then and oh, it does tie in it ties her to the events of the first game because she meets up with mickey in the realm of darkness and they end up at the climax to the first game where you know how when they open the door and Mickey shows up for the first time. Yeah. That happens in it. Like, Aqua was there, and she was, like, fighting off some bullshit. Right. She was just be- just beyond Yeah, the she was just out, out of sight. She was fighting, like, a, a boss so that Mickey could seal the door. Right. Which is, like, a neat idea, but the way it's executed is, like, really rushed. Right. So it comes off as kind of hokey. I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be the first thing in the series to come off as kind of hokey. Yeah, it's how it's like visually depicted. It's just kind of weird. All right. So, and that makes weirdly the last set of things to talk about: uh, key and and unchained key. So this is one of the weirdest things on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started out as a browser game in Japan only. Uh, yes. And it was just like a, it was set up as like a prequel to the entire series. Like I think it said a hundred years before, uh, I guess, Birth by Sleep. And it's just like showing like how there used to be a bunch of Keyblade wielders. Hence like what, how there was a Keyblade war, you know, it's kind of setting the stage for that. But it's really, really light on story, and it's just kind of like a way to make an avatar and go through some Disney levels in a cute chibi style. Right. And, you know, it was just like a thing, like a casual thing that they had. Yeah, it's like and a then, super regular casual mobile yes. game. And then it got, I guess, popular enough that they ported it to mobile and released it worldwide. And added extra stuff and like this is where it gets and it's basically everything that gets established in this game is going to be important in the franchise going forward (laughs) based on the ending cutscene of kingdom hearts 3 so uh (laughs) it's way more important than you would ever have expected okay that's that is uh, honestly kind of unbelievable yeah and they I should have seen it coming because on the 1.5, or no, it was on 2.8, uh, they included a movie that tied into the story of the Unchained Key, or right. Union Cross is what it's called now. They changed the name of it. Mm. Um, well, I'm noticing there's also uh, a couple of very important games that were released on 
Verizon Wireless is VCast. <laughs> Those are definitely they're they're useless garbage. That's okay. what they are. Yeah. But anyway, not going to be important going forward. So basically, Unchained Kiki or Union Cross, whatever you want to call it. Uh, cucks. C- cu- yeah, K H U X Cucks, as we call it. Um, it. Is it's set a hundred years in the past or whatever, when there used to be a bunch of Keyblade wielders, and there, the way it is, is there is the Master of Masters, right? Mm-hmm. He only wears a cloak. The organization thirteen cloaks. Everyone fucking wears that. There must be a retailer that makes bank selling those cloaks in the Kingdom Hearts universe. Even like Mickey's got one. Yeah, which yeah. is weird. Also. Just want to jump in here as me, Chad. Yes. I The Master of Masters is introduced in the mobile game? He's introduced in that movie that and ties then, into the mobile game. And he does appear in the mobile game. I don't know which place he appeared first. Okay, that is wild. Because, yep. like, I saw a video that so was, like, like JJ, important shit you need yeah. to know. So, like, JJ... Oh, no, I told him to watch the movie. I'm going to say, J.J. doesn't even know this character exists. Right. And he's as big of a fan as me. but Because J.J. has not played the mobile game. Uh, but he does know he exists. But anyway, so there's the Master of Masters, right? And he has, what, I think five apprentices or something. And they are the four tellers. Mm-hmm. And they're each, they each lead a union. Like the five tellers, yeah, am I right? right? Uh, so they each lead a union, hence the union cross mm-hmm. thing. And you pick one to join and, you know. You do your mobile game stuff. And you do your mobile game stuff. Uh, And so each of them, like there's, okay, the Master of Masters has a book of prophecies, right? Uh Uh-huh. And it basically is supposedly tells you everything there is to know about everything, right? And so he's like, each of you, I'm going to give each of you a role because I'm not not always going to be around, right? And so... He gives them all a role, and one of them's roles is to, like, look after the book or whatever. And basically, it causes this conflict between them all, which is what inevitably leads to the Keyblade Wars. They, of none of them trust each other, and he does disappear, so then that causes even more distrust and blah, blah, blah. And then there's a... Uh, they all have weird names, like Ira. Apologies to anybody out there Ava, named Ira. I can't remember. Envy... Almost I'm like... trying to remember how many there are. I think there's like five or six of them. And one of them is named Lushu. And he's always wearing a black cloak, right? So you don't know his identity either or what he looks like. And his role is to take this black box, which is the black box that Maleficent and Pete are looking for uh. at the beginning of three. And he's supposed to take his keyblade too after he dies. Uh, and then just wait for whatever to happen. You don't get to, it's told, you're not given the details, it's a mystery as to what's in the box and what his role is. And anyway, and that's basically it, and that's what leads to the Keyblade War. And Ava's role, she's the one with the fox mask, they all wear cool masks. Okay. Um, that's the union that I'm in. It's the most popular one, uh, weirdly. I guess everybody else also likes foxes. Uh, and her role was to like collect a like choice group of Keyblade wielders, which were referred to as the Dandelions, that are supposed to survive the Keyblade War, like not participate in it, and like they're called the Dandelions because they're supposed to fly away, 
and I they don't explain exactly how it it's it happens. But but like, so there's like that's how the bird. What about something that traditionally flies? I don't know, and that's something where you have to take a big logical leap to get there. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so. Uh, and that's how like life continues after the Keyblade War, mm-hmm. because you know they 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 picked some some choice good good boys and girls to survive. Right. We got a regular Adam and Adam and Adam and Adam and, and Adam even, and even 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 situation. And uh, there's this whole other shit where like they picked new foretellers to replace them all, and like one of them appears to be like Marluxia's like real like self because he's got a dude with pink hair but it's not really gone into like i think what i perceive to be the final like cut scene like story scene in union cross Mm -hmm. or unchained key whatever uh is after the keyblade war where they all meet up the new foretellers and so it doesn't actually go into it i just pretty sure that that's who that is um and that's basically how they leave it off, and that all becomes relevant at the end of Kingdom Hearts three, because I think that's all going to play into how the story goes forward. Yeah, and just like to to sort of like wrap back around, I looked up. I well, I just clicked on the Wikipedia link on this one. I found some names. We got Scald. Yep. Kurthy. Kurthy. One more time? Is that how? Is that what it says? See, it's like C H R I R T H Y. Yeah, I think it's Chirithy. Ch- All right, I'm okay with that pronunciation. It's better than the spelling. Uh, Gula, that guy doesn't seem like a good dude. Sure, I don't remember that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then Luxu and Ava, Luke's whatever. Shut up. <laughs> That's what I got from this. Uh, Let me see this. I was literally, like, skimming a synopsis for capital letters. Mm, there's dandelions. Mm. Yeah, Scald is a girl. She, uh. She's one of the new foretellers. Yeah, that's Cheerithy. That is what that says. Also Nightmare Cheerithy. Yep. Cheerithy are basically, like, little companions that follow the Keyblade wielders around. Ah. Uh. Everybody's got one. It's like a blade. No. It's like a friend. Yes. <laughs> Oh, also one of them is Ventus, oh. and which makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, Larium, I think, is how you say that. That's Marluxia's real name. Gotcha. Ephemer is one of them. But anyway, that's most of them. Whatever. Okay. I'm, I'm not a giant fan of any of those, but uh, yep. that's cool. It's Yeah, it's weird. I don't know where they're going with it. Because it isn't, like, fleshed <laughs> out at all. Nope. All right, and that brings us to the present day uh, with Kingdom Hearts 3, and we'll spoil the plot right now. No, uh, <laughs> we'll spoil the plot in like a week and a half. Yep. Um, Make sure you finish that shit up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to like break into your house and like make you listen to the podcast. <laughs> or will we? Do you want to uh, throw any, I guess, fi- not really, fi- final thoughts would be a weird way to describe what we're doing. Uh-huh. But, like, sort of, like, wrap-up notes. Uh, if someone, if you were talking to me, and you knew that it wasn't me, and therefore there's a chance that I would actually go do this, what Kingdom Hearts games would you actually recommend people play before playing 3? Um, okay, so, 
I, as I stated before, Kingdom Hearts 1's my favorite game, and I would definitely recommend playing it, uh, like the 1.5 remast- remixed version, right. uh, the HD version. If you have a PS3 or 4, you can easily play it. Uh, it's, yeah, as I said, the whole series has this stigma for being confusing and weird and, uh, it's memed about a lot, but the first game actually has really good storytelling and it's an overall, like, great game, so definitely go play that one. Um, and then I would also recommend playing two, if you, and if you can play Chain of Memories and 358 Days in conjunction with it. Uh, that's the most recommended way to do it. Uh, and also, I highly recommend Birth by Sleep. And but other watch than, that 10-minute video. Yeah, other than that, uh, I cannot recommend any of the other games. Like, if you get really into the other ones and are really invested, then check everything else out. But the main pillars there, you should play 1, 2, and Birth by Sleep. Yeah, and, and from what I, I understand... And 3D is really important, but it sucks. So <laughs> just, like, watch a watch a Let's Play, read a synopsis. Just listen to this podcast. Yeah. I feel like uh, there aren't really any games in the series that are just outright, like, complete stinkers. No, they're all fun to play. Like, mm-hmm. th- Dream Rock Distance is fun. It's just the story sucks. And... Uh, Three five eight over two days is kind of the opposite of that, where the story is really good and the gameplay is not that great. Right. But yeah, I mean, like if you're if you're nostalgic to Disney or you really into Square Enix or the mashup just seems weird and you like weird goofy shit, like it, there's a lot of appeal there and a number of different levels. Like I definitely recommend checking the series out. And I would hope that you don't care that we told you the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you've only ever played one and two, and you're like intrigued, like there's plenty to dig into. Like, right. go for it. Yeah, a synopsis, as has been proven on YouTube like a thousand times at this point, a synopsis of Kingdom Hearts is not the same as an understanding oh, no. of yeah, Kingdom Hearts. Like the game, like I explained them in a from my memory, very shorthand way. When I'm sure I got some things a little bit wrong. But, like, the most of the games, anyway, are fairly easy to understand as long as you're paying attention, you right. know? Well, I've been your student for the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope everybody learned something. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Well, uh, do you, were you paying attention, stupid? <laughs> we're talking about Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh and that'll be coming out in a couple of some time. And <laughs> until then, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. I feel like with the amount of Kingdom Hearts shit I've been indulging in in the past couple of weeks, I should get a new novelty domain. <laughs> uh, uh, all of our contact information would include our email address, our Twitter, uh, YouTube where all of our episodes are posted with the cool art on the background so you can have full screen, put it on a projector, make your neighbors <laughs> really angry. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes and Google Play. Give us a rating and a review if you want to uh, make us like happy people. That uh, that I think that's it. Yep. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just like 
too many things yeah. here that I could make some kind of stupid yeah. joke about. Open your heart to the like button. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. Uh-huh. Sp- uh, split yourself into a being of pure light <laughs> and a being of pure darkness. One to hit the subscribe button <laughs> and the other one to ring that fucking bell. <laughs> Send your body back in time. You nope. Con- Send just your heart. your heart back in time, so that you could have been listening to the No Clip podcast for the last three years. I know now, without a doubt, No Clip podcast is liked. Light! <laughs>